Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Join Sports Cages Michael Ball for CAA Travel's Ultimate Sports Trip December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games, the Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers, plus a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games, all for just $24.99 per person. Taxes included based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip. And oh man. Thank the Lord for air conditioning. It feels like Tucson, Arizona outside and Antarctica inside. The Harvard Media Studios air conditioner is getting a workout today. I'm Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today. It's the sports cage for spreads.ca. You can sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. You can hit me up on the text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership, and all of our guests appear on the Western Pizza hotline. Order the Rough Rider Sweet Deal from Western Pizza, and you and a friend could be watching a Ryder game from a luxury suite next season. Now, doesn't that sound sweet? Got a loaded show today. We're going to hear from Crystal Stuce, the Director of Marketing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, shortly after 5 o'clock today to tee up Fan Day at Mosaic Stadium. And yeah, we haven't had Fan Day in two years because of that stinky pandemic, but we're getting it back on Saturday. Cannot wait for the meet and greet. That's always a hit for the young fans and for the older fans. The autograph signing session and the concourse after practice. So Crystal will have all the details for you at 5.05. At the bottom of this hour, I'm going to be chatting with an inaugural member of the Regina Prairie Thunder, Donovan Service, about his football journey as we get prepped up for football day in Saskatchewan, which is Coming up here in a few short weeks, I mean, September 1st today. And oh yeah, by the way, happy birthday to Ballsy, who is on his way down to Lincoln, Nebraska right now. He's probably listening. How you doing, Ballsy? So uh, cannot wait for football day in Saskatchewan. Uh, September 16th and 17th. It's going to be here as soon as you know it. So we're going to be talking about that today. Former CFL defensive back. Jeff Hecht will chat with Ballsy and give his CFL celebrity picks for this weekend in the Canadian Football League. Press coverage with Glenn Suter at 5.30 and coast to coast with Arash Madani at 6.05. And so the news from Ratterville today, Coach Dickinson, of course, once again out today going through that COVID-19 protocol. So offensive coordinator Jason Moss was filling in in place of Coach Dickey today. So Moss chatted with the media. We're going to hear from Moss on the other side of the break. And, uh, Kent Majeri was filling in yesterday, so that means Jason Shivers will be uh, with the media tomorrow. Dickie can't be around anyone, I believe, until Saturday. So very hot practice for the riders today. Yes, I'm talking the weather. My source tells me that receiver Kyron Moore as well had a very hot practice of his own. He was making outstanding catches today out there. Mason Fine apparently hit him on a nice uh, crossing route over the middle. Full speed, and voila, Kyron Moore 
off to the races. So, man, it's great to have Swerve back. Cannot wait to see him out there on Labor Day Sunday. And we'll see the depth chart tomorrow. But it looks like Shaq Evans will be in the lineup. Lanius is back. More than likely will be subbing in and out. Mitchell Pickton as well. More than likely will be in for McKinnis. We're going to hear from Mitchell Pickton a little later on. A lot of things to sort out in the receiving core. Also after practice today, how about this? The luckiest man in Saskatchewan. You might be thinking, what? Well, general manager Jeremy O'Day, he got a nice Gatorade shower after addressing the team today. Uh, J.O. celebrated his birthday yesterday. So, yeah, the players took things in their own hands to celebrate and uh, dumped him with a nice Gatorade bath. Man, that would feel mighty fine on a day like today. Someone come dump me with a bottle of Gatorade. But I uh, can't wait for this game, though. Cody Fajardo coming off his best game of the season. He's primed up for the Labor Day Classic, and him and his wife are also primed up expecting their first baby in near days. Absolutely. I mean, my wife's in town, and this will be the first time she'll be here for pretty much the rest of the season, and baby could come any day. So kind of on pins and needles a little bit there, but a lot of excitement in the Fajardo household, and obviously Labor Day, running out of that tunnel, there's there's nothing like it. And just being a part of that the last two years, it, uh, it's one of those things you, is truly special in the CFL. And so I'm looking forward uh, to running out of the tunnel, seeing the sea of green, and uh, we got a good opportunity ahead of us, a really good Winnipeg team, and we got to play our best football in order to have a chance. You said, sorry, go ahead. You said September 12th for the due date. Are you, do you have contingency plans? Is there a, a Fajardo stand-in? Yeah, we haven't really talked uh, too much. Um, you know, obviously I've talked with the coaches and J.O., and they know that uh, when things start happening rapidly that I will be at the birth of my son. So um, we'll just see what happens uh, over the next couple, two weeks, and uh, hope for the best, I guess. There's, those things are so uncertain that you never really know. So uh, always I find myself checking my phone a lot more than I have been uh, earlier on in the year. What's the biggest excitement? Playing Winnipeg three times? <laughs> a, a child. Uh, you yeah. know, I've, I've played Winnipeg before, but uh, this will be my first child. So definitely takes the cake, no no doubt. Has Laura been to a, a Labor Day game? She's been to games before, but she's been to Labor Day? Yes, she has. She was uh, here in the 2019 Labor Day, and she was here in the 2021 uh, Labor Day. So she, it seems like the Labor Day game is the one that she uh, she never misses. You, you play lots of teams back to back. How does that intensity compare to Labor Day Classic manageable? Uh, there's nothing quite like it. You know, you, you come here and you feel all the advantage on your side, then you go to their place and you feel all the advantage on their side. So uh, that's why it makes it such a big game, I think, on Labor Day, because we know the uh, opportunity with our home crowd and making it loud and, and hard on them. Uh, and then what we have uh, facing, you know, down the barrel next week going, going to their stadium. So uh, we want to make it as hostile as we can for them because we sure know they're going to make it hostile for us. And that's what makes it so special. And I think it's the greatest rivalry in the CFL and uh, the fans truly show show uh, why it's the greatest rivalry in the CFL. What's it like having Braden Lenius back? Big target, a guy who uh, picked up right where he left off, you know, going down south. Sometimes you forget some things, but uh, he came in and, and the offense, he picked it up right away and will be an easy plug starter. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for him to go out. It's what a way to start off in the, in the Labor Day game, huh? So it's, uh, it's fun to have him back in the lineup. And uh, he brings a lot of energy to the receiver room. And, and he's just a good guy to be around. So we're happy to have him in the locker room. He's also going to get Shaq back, too. He promised on Twitter, so he's got to come back. Oh, he promised, huh? So, yeah, he can't break that. No, Shaq's <laughs> looked great this week. Last week, we knew he wasn't quite 
quite there. Uh, there was a little bit of a limp to him, um, but this week he's looked like the old Shaq. So uh, I'm happy to have him back. He's made some big catches this week. I know all the guys will be a little jittery, a little nervous, including myself, and might be a little rust on, on them, but uh, we got to be able to fight through it. And our biggest goal is to find ways to score touchdowns in the red zone. La last couple of times we've played them, we've moved the ball really well, and uh, we, we just didn't finish with seven in the end zone. So that's our, that's our goal this week uh, is try to pile on the touchdowns. Two weeks ago, you didn't have enough receivers for the lineup. Now you're getting to the point of being too many. So do you ever feel an obligation as a quarterback to keep these guys happy and get them touches? Yeah, that's that's difficult, right? Uh, I tell them all the time, and I've told you guys before, if you can cut the football into five pieces and give everyone a piece, you, you would love to do that. But uh, that's what the offense is for. The offense dictates where the ball goes. Defenses dictate where the ball goes. So it's not quite me trying to force too many things. I think when the, when the negative plays do happen, it's when I try and force something or when I try and get a guy a ball who hasn't touched it in a while. So um, Coach Moss does a good job of moving our guys around and allowing them to get targets. Um, and then after that, it's what, what they do with the ball in their hands, what makes them special and looking around our receiver room and seeing guys healthy and back, uh, it puts a smile to your face. A long time since Friday's game, but what, you look back on the sacks, I think, and what, else, what went right for you in that game? That hadn't been going right in the uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, sacks are going to happen. There's really good defensive linemen, and uh, there's going to be coverage sacks because there's really good defensive players in this league. And so not all those sacks were on our offensive line. It sure feels like uh, everybody's pointing to them. But um, there, there was some that uh, just covered sacks. But uh, offensively speaking, we moved the ball. We were fast. Uh, we caught the ball. We went, got good yards after catch, and we finished with touchdowns for the most part in the, in the red zone. So uh, that's what, what made it special for us offensively was just being able to move the ball and go quickly so they can adjust. So what are your thoughts on the O-line right now? I love my offensive linemen. I think they're they're doing a great job. There's really good defensive linemen in this league, and our defensive line's the best in the league. So going against those guys every week, they're just continuing to get better. You guys got to realize our offensive line has no continuity. Every single week, it just seems like we have a new offensive line, start, someone starting in the lineup. So once we get those guys just feeling good about playing up front five strong, uh, I got all the faith in the world in them, and uh, we're going to win a lot of football games with them. This team has had some ups and downs, a recent slide. What would a win against Winnipeg do for this team just as a whole. Yeah, you know, it's a shock the world mentality for us. Everybody's kind of counting us out, but uh, last week was big for, for just our motivation, confidence, and just getting back to where we're at. We got some reinforcements uh, this week and, uh, and last week, and so we're feeling a little bit healthier. But uh, going against the defending Great Cup champs, that's a good measuring stick for us. So we want to go out there and play our best football and have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. Probably the best you'd look at moving around in quite a few weeks. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I feel great, uh, minus the clunky knee brace. But uh, for the most part, I feel really good. That's uh, it's one of those things where last week uh, quarterback runs was a little bit more in the game plan, and I felt really good about that. And well, like I said, I've, I've been a running quarterback my entire life, so when you ask me just to drop back and throw and throw and throw, uh, I'm just not used to that. So when I get to run and get some rhythm and get some confidence that way, it really helps me out. After the game, uh, Coach Dickinson said you had a lot of uh, say in the offensive game planning leading up to the Lions game. What's the design quarterback runs a result of that? Uh, yeah, I told Coach Moss, uh, I'm feeling healthy enough to run me. Don't be afraid to run me. And uh, and he did it. And uh, Coach Sorrell's put in some great run uh, quarterback run game stuff. And so hopefully we can continue to do that because I think it keeps the defense honest. You can't just focus on our running backs. And now you got to worry about our receivers running the ball, me running the ball, our running backs running the ball. And that's very difficult to do. So, Cody, uh, <laughs> so how do you feel about Sunday just coming up? I'm excited, man. Pete, you know how it feels when you walk out that tunnel on Labor Day and you see everyone going crazy. Uh, you're going to get a little bit of jitters in that uh, stomach, but uh, it's all for fun. Man, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> What's it, uh, sorry, the heat has been a story this week, you plus 30s. 
you're from California. Are you kind of used to this sort of weather? Yeah, sunny and no wind. That's uh, that's a quarterback's dream, right? Uh, the wind here is what really makes it difficult as a quarterback. Sometimes uh, it's hard. I'll play in any any weather, but I know almost every quarterback around the league would feel the same way. You get some wind, some strong gusts, it's very hard to throw the ball. So uh, this, this brings me back to the good old summer days of uh, fall camp uh, back in uh, California. You're not wearing a hoodie, but some of the guys have been wearing hoodies this week. Do you even think that's a little crazy, even being from California? Uh, I think it protects you from the sun. That's why I wear the long sleeve, you know. I don't want to be red by uh, Labor Day and, and a bunch of sunburn, so it protects me. I know my wife will be happy that uh, I got a long sleeve on, so she's always worried about me putting on sunscreen. And so just that's why I go with the long sleeve, and it kind of keeps you a little bit cooler. This is my neighbor asking me this question. Do you have a name for the baby yet? We do. Luca Charles Fajardo will be the name of our uh, little really guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we uh, we actually we had we held the name for a long time, and then at our baby shower, we broke the name to everybody, and we had this uh, name reveal, and uh, yeah, so pretty much everyone will know now. No, we we love it. You know, my, my wife's name's Laura, and uh, obviously my name's Cody and Fajardo. So the initials of LCF is, is pretty cool and unique. So it kind of has all both of us in in his name, and uh, got Italian background, and Luca's an Italian thing. And uh, w when we went to picking a name, I wanted something that uh, had a meaning. And Luca, uh, the meaning of Luca is bringer of light, and so we think he's going to bring a lot of light, a lot of positivity, and so that's why we we went with that name. L U C A. That's QB1 Cody Fajardo after practice today. And if uh, you heard that voice in the background ask Cody if he's excited for Labor Day, that was uh, Riders defensive end Pete Robertson. He snuck in the media scrum for a quick uh, quick question. So uh, great to see some sense of humor. Loosening up here before the Labor Day Classic on Sunday. Heading to break on the other side, our sports cage clutch performer and a quick comment from Riders Offensive coordinator Jason Moss. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. You were out for a year, and you just beat the number two player in the world. How did you do it? <laughs> well, I'm a pretty good player. <laughs> Hey, it's like 1999 all over again. Serena Williams takes down the number two ranked player in the world last night at the U.S. Open. And that was the question that she was asked right after. How did you do it? Her answer, well, you know, I'm Serena Williams. Pretty good player. Serena, our sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Call 781-1077. And that was just so, so funny, though. I watched that live last night, and I couldn't believe my ears when uh, <laughs> when that question was asked. Coach Dickinson, like we mentioned to kick off the show, out with COVID-19, going, uh, going through those protocols. So offensive coordinator Jason Moss was next in line to face the media on Thursday. It's a coordinator deal with two ends like Jeff Coat and Jefferson. What do you do to... Are they, are we, they're not having the numbers, but I think they're having is just an effective season. They're very effective at what they do. I mean, the numbers, whether you're talking about sacks or not, yeah. I mean, they may not have the sacks totals that you'd expect of those two guys, but they pressure the quarterback every week. They make it very difficult, I'm sure, for all coordinators to, to game plan against them. Um, their whole defense, I mean, it, it's, they're, they're a good unit to go against. Richie does a great job getting those guys to play at a high level. Uh, but those two mainstays are definitely difficult. And as far as being a coordinator going against them, I mean, you try to slow them down as much as you can. There's a variety of different ways you can do that, but they are 
uh, physical menaces no matter what. So it's about the ability for the O-line to play together collectively and anybody that's going against them just do their job the best they can. So that means more screens and draws, like ways to draw them in, or is it can you attack them? There's a totality. I mean, you can do a number of different things. It's just uh, you just have to have an eye on what they do and uh, where they are and, and what you're going to do. I mean, every, every game plan consists of draws and screens and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, they're still pretty effective against that those things though. So it's more about keeping them off balanced and, and doing a number of things um, to give them different looks or to get hands on them in different ways. And uh, you know, obviously you gotta be physical with both of them. So and that, that's our O-line's job and they know that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very aware of them and it's just about us doing the, the best of our ability. They're probably the best team at getting their hands up. I mean, you, even, you don't even really see other teams doing it, but uh, how is that an adjustment for a quarterback? Yeah, you can't worry about it. I mean, we, we, we talk about it in our room. I mean, there's certain things you'd like to not do, but I mean, part of our game plan always each week is, is throwing some quick balls. And, you know, sometimes you can throw right over them and other times you can't. They just have a good knack for getting their hands up, both of them. They're both tall, they both are long. Uh, you can be blocking them and they just have very good uh, timing. So you can't really combat it. You just got to, if they get one, they get one, um, you know, and such. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to we're gonna run our offense the way we do and try not to worry as much about those types of things, knowing that they're going to make plays. They're good enough to do that. Just play to our ability and concern ourselves with with our jobs and, and do that to our best of our ability. Jason, with the addition of uh, Braden Lenius and you guys are getting some healthy wideouts, what does that do uh, for your offense having so many weapons available? Well, it's it's definitely uh, encouraging. I mean, every time you bring a guy like back like Braden who knows the offense, I mean, that's one thing he did not forget it, and he's picked right up where he left off. Uh, not surprising to anybody in our building because he played. He was one guy last year that stayed healthy from the uh, first day of training camp through the end. He's the one who got our offense the best, in my opinion, and it's partly because he stayed in there the whole year. So coming back, knowing, having that good information uh, has been outstanding. Um, and then he's familiar with Cody and familiar with our system. And anytime you're getting players back that have experience in our offense, it's obviously a positive thing. Um, so I think we have very good players in our building. The problem we've had is keeping them all healthy and having some continuity on offense. And I think any coordinator will tell you continuity on offense, you know, helps regardless. And then you combat that with really good players, then it makes it better. And ultimately, they just all have to play together, get a good feel for one another, and then usually your offense will pick it up. And that's what we're hoping for um, this game. What's it like not having Craig out here this week? Um, yeah, it's different. I mean, anytime you're leaders, you're not you're not around. I mean, you can hear his message. Um, you know, in, in our meetings, you know, it's it's been uh, Missouri's been doing a good job of relaying his message to us. So you know, he's his message is being heard. But yeah, it's different for sure. Um, that's more than anything I can say about that. We've tried to pick it up, uh, coaches and players, knowing he's gone, uh, knowing what his expectations are. Um, he set a really good example for all of us of how our practices, our meetings are supposed to go, and it's just up to us as leaders to continue that, what he, his vision is. COVID's kind of a weird thing. The team expects him back for the game if he's not able to come back. You're the one. You're the guy with the head coaching experience on this staff. Would you welcome the opportunity to take I that haven't, role? I'm not even <laughs> worried about that right now. I think Craig will be back, and, and if, if that uh, bridge, we have to cross it at that time, we will. But I'm not concerned with that whatsoever. Yeah, that's Riders offensive coordinator Jason Moss after practice today. Defensive coordinator Jason Shivers will meet the media tomorrow as Coach Dickey is out until at least a Saturday. Excited for this on the other side of the break. Donovan Service will join us and an inaugural member 
of the Regina Prairie Thunder. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Sports Cage for Spreads.ca, another scorcher of a day here in Regina. 30 degrees, probably even higher than that. Forecast for the game on Sunday, by the way, plus 33. So if you're sitting on the sunny side, pick yourself up some sunscreen. Don't need anybody getting sick now. We're here to enjoy a football game. Don't need anybody getting a heat stroke or something like that. So sneak in a water, uh, some sunscreen. It's a big weekend at Mosaic Stadium. Not only is there the game, but on Saturday, Fan Day will be back for the first time since 2019. And Crystal Stuce. Uh, Director of Marketing with the Riders will join me in the cage shortly after 5 o'clock to tee up what we can expect on Saturday. And uh, hey, we are in September now. In a few weeks, we'll be football weekend in Saskatchewan, broadcasting all three games right here on 620 CKRM. All the homegrown talent you can ask for from the Riders, UFS Huskies, Rams, Thunder Hilltops, all of them playing at Mosaic Stadium on September 16th and 17th. So I'm excited to chat with this guy as we go way back. We're uh, coming up here on football weekend in Saskatchewan, and we are celebrating some of the great football players that were homegrown right here in our province. He was a member of the inaugural Regina Thunder team. Back then, of course, the Regina Prairie Thunder. Missed that name. Uh, he was a running back with them from 2000 to 2001 where he actually was teammates of current Thunderhead coach Scott McCauley. And then after his time with the Thunder, he packed his bags and he moved to Redding, California to continue his football career with the Shasta College Knights, where he went on to play against Aaron Rodgers while Aaron was uh, playing his junior college football with a Butte. We are going to dive into that in a few minutes. Also spent some time at York University out east. Donovan Service joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline from his home in Toronto, or I guess I should ask you, uh, where do we find Mr. Service today? <laughs> Just <laughs> well, assuming yeah, you're right at now. home. Yes, I am at home right now. I'm on a day off from uh, like working and so forth there, so I'm just at home uh, relaxing, you know, ripping through the inbox, you know, emails and so forth, trying to get life situated, but a little late start to the day, but uh, yeah. So what a beautiful day here in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, the big smoke, as people like to call it. On the prairie. <laughs> uh, for our listeners, obviously, I know what you're doing, but for our listeners, uh, what are you up to on a daily basis? Uh, a few things. Uh, I, I guess uh, like life's pretty much changed a lot since the pandemic started. Um, after my uh, playing days, I got into uh, embarked on a career as a personal trainer, health coach, and health promotional or health marketer. And when the pandemic hit, that was the first industry that went out the door so uh i guess coming out of that i decided to shift gears and go more on the academic side what i used to do in regards to uh marketing and communications or digital communications promotion so i'm slowly transitioning into that uh field at this Mm -hmm. present time but yeah yeah. You know, that's uh that's pretty much it, you know, in the in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, so Donovan and I go way back as Donovan's best friend is my first cousin, Tim Kleisinger, Jared and Clint as well. We spent a lot of time together growing up and this guy had uh, quite the interesting <laughs> football career. In a time in the early two thousands when, you know, it wasn't often we saw amateur football players in Saskatchewan take the leap of faith, if you will, and go down south. So yep. while you were playing your high school ball with Winston Noel uh, the Regina Rams were kind of making that transition from junior football to the university ranks. The Rams' first year in university was in 1999. 
uh, the Thunder started up, like we mentioned, in 2000. Was there like a time period in there where you were unsure if there was going to be a team in the city that you could play for? Because, I mean, not everyone wants to go to university, right? You know, like right out of high school. Yeah. Or was the Thunder already kind of on the map when you finished high school? Well, when I finished high school, it was in 99, so I'm one of the oldest millennials. But mm. we, there wasn't an opportunity for, at that time in Saskatchewan, to play. You either had you had two opportunities if you wanted to stay in the province to play outside of the, outside of um, outside of high school, whether playing for the Hilltops, went up to Saskatoon, or then after then the Rams were moving to the university. So there was a gap. Mm-hmm. There was a gap around there. So I had a friend. Uh, his name was Dustin Lance. I grew up in the east end of the city. Went to Johnson. He ended up deciding to go out to play in the BCFC and uh, in, uh, CGFO league out in. Um, in uh, British Columbia for the Vancouver Trojans. Yep. So myself and your cousin Tim and a few other probably wrote, I think there was about five or six of us, uh, ended up going out there to play for a season uh, out in the BCFC. And it was pretty, uh, it was fun. It was, it was a good gap year to get mm-hmm. that opportunity to, to move, you know, take these Prairie boys, put them in the big city. It was definitely, there was a little bit of a culture <laughs> shock there. But <laughs> I think from a cultural perspective, but also a football perspective, we're, you uh you know there's a Saskatchewan is a very football orientated province uh you know as we can see we'll talk more about that in depth but mm-hmm. going out there was a little shocking yeah yeah <laughs> you know but played some great players uh actually ended up playing with um uh, Paris Jackson uh some of your listeners if they're familiar with uh, a lot of the CFL like lore per- players that you know yeah. former BC line uh Paris was a was a phenomenal athlete yeah, he was a great he receiver yeah Yes, yes, and at that time, Paris had actually had returned from playing junior college uh, football in California uh, for a season since his mother was going through uh, cancer treatments, right? Mm-hmm. And he actually played at the College of the Siskiyous, and then the year after, he ended up going down to Butte College, right? right. So uh, once I was done there, I came back and I played for the Thunder for uh, two seasons. So their inaugural season in 2000, and then 2001, 2000, obviously playing with them. Um, current Thunder head coach, yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott McCulley. You know, uh, Scott was actually one of our uh, leading players. Scott had worked, had played for the Rams previously, uh, obviously. And then after he had a, a final year of eligibility left uh, at 22, and he came in right away. He was a leader of one of our of our team that year. It was, he's the right man to be in the job currently with uh, Thunder, and um, I'm glad he's, he's doing well on the team's uh performing at the capabilities that they should. So, And we're yeah. with uh, Regina Thunder, Shasta College, and York University alumni, Don, uh, Donovan Service on the Western Pizza Hotline. As we get set for football weekend in Saskatchewan, what is your yeah. favorite on-field memory when you think back to your time with the then Regina Prairie Thunder? Do you have one or two that comes to mind? Uh, well, on-field memories, we, well, you know what, uh, we didn't have too much success earlier on, um, mm-hmm. definitely in regards to... Um, uh, as a team, uh, I, I think that there was we had some probably structural issues at the time. But uh, I would say one of the best uh, memories that I have is one of our, our opening not not the opening season, but the opening game to the, our second season in 2001. Actually, Ballsy was on the call uh, at nice. that time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we we played the Edmonton uh, Huskies and we opened up. I started that game and. Uh, that time, our uh, quarterback was uh, Mark Anderson. Mark Anderson came down from playing with the uh, University of Regina Rams now to play with us. So I think we ended up winning that game, and that was one of our first times that taking the level of success that we did as a team. So I remember that game fondly. 
just, you know, it was a home game here in Regina. I don't know there now, but, you know, so mm-hmm. that's probably one of the games that have stuck out at that time. But I would say that we weren't, um, although we weren't as competitive on the field, we were competitive off the field in regards to in the bars. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so you played a couple seasons with the Thunder. Then after yeah. that, uh, the big yeah. move, I want to talk about this, the California yeah. cool Donovan service came walking down the ramp. Now, just uh, take us into the process there. Those were the days, like, before YouTube, you know, recruiters couldn't just, like, fire up the interwebs and look at film of all the players that they want. Uh, the internet was just kind of, like, starting out back then. It was slow as hell. How did uh, Donovan Service, a Regina, Saskatchewan kid, end up in Redding, California to play football? Okay, so this is a this is an interesting process, and thanks for asking that question. Um well, I already had. I've always had aspirations to to play um, on a on a greater stage, or at least to challenge myself as a, an athlete. And most athletes, you know, if you you want to be the best within your sport, it doesn't matter if it's hockey, football, basketball. You want to be able to play against, get out of your comfort zone, and play against the best competition possible to see where you um, stack up against that. So I thought to myself, um, like I said, I had a former teammate in Paris Jackson who had went down to Butte. And at that time, Bu was actually, they had a lot of Canadians, or at least a, a fair crop of Canadians on their staff. And so that was one of the teams I had reached out to. So I put together some film, cutting together some high school film, some uh, junior film that I had with uh, with the Prairie Thunder, and I started sending them out to different junior colleges. So I initially thought about going to um, Saddleback Junior College because I had a friend, Greg Horvath. Uh, he's a Regina, well, a local Saskatchewan guy. He was a little bit older had gone down there um, on an inspirational story. I had talked to their coaching staff there. I thought about going to Orange Coast Junior College, and that was down in uh, Southern California, both that and Saddleback. Uh, and then I, um, I actually, um, uh, you know, I contacted Butte. I never heard back from them. Then at that time, since you talked about the Internet, wasn't as a lot of these colleges, some of their websites were great, some of them weren't, but, um, I, I saw, you know, a few colleges, well, one place, uh, Shasta College, and their website was filled with information. They had, I had information on academics. They had a athletic-based page, and you could see what the program was all about. And so I had contacted them. So at the time, um, head coach was uh, Craig Thompson, and Craig reached out to me right away. And Shasta College in Reading, Reading's a, a great town. It's about maybe the quarter of the population of Regina, uh, it's near Mount Shasta. So you can picture this, that our practice field and our playing field were right beside each other. And in the background, you could see snow-capped white mountains. Wow. Right? Yeah. And under the light, you, I mean, you can, you have a picturesque setting of that nature. Southern, southern well, Northern California, hot. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go wrong with that. So I decided to pack my bags and uh, make the trek to uh, Redding, uh, California. Yeah, Shasta College alumni, Regina, Saskatchewan's own Donovan Service on the Western Pizza Mm -hmm. Hotline as uh, we celebrate football weekend in Saskatchewan, which is coming up here in a few short weeks. Now, this story is just insane to me because, yes, my son and I are Green Bay Packers shareholders. My time loving the Packers dates back to the 1990s with Brett Favre. But in 2005, when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round, it was like literally winning the lottery. Not only because he fell in the draft, but also because I knew I knew who this guy was. Not from his time at Cal, but from his time at Butte Community College. And before anybody really knew of him, 
And I kind of knew who he was because you played against Aaron Rodgers when you were in junior college with uh, Shasta. And I remember you telling me about this quarterback at Butte probably 2002, 2003 in that time span. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. the Packers drafted him, it was like the greatest day of my fandom life. So take Mm -hmm. us onto the field of when you guys played against Aaron Rodgers. You knew right away that this guy belonged in a D1 school. Oh, yeah. Look, absolutely. So it's funny you're, you're, we're having this conversation now because this is 20 years after this happened, right? Mm-hmm. So 20 years ago, I had uh, embarked on this journey. And uh, if, you're, if, you're, if your listeners aren't really familiar with junior college football, um, I guess give a little rundown. Most of the junior colleges are based in like counties, right? So they represent the county. So Butte County, Shasta County. Um, a lot of the players, if they're not highly recruited, so they're all local guys that end up playing for their junior college teams, or also there's other guys like myself and other people that came from other, maybe other countries or even came from other states to come, uh, I guess, pad the rosters for those, those teams. So I had a lot of my former player, uh, my, my former um, teammates actually played against Aaron in high school. Aaron oh. went to PV. Uh, oh. So in Valley, <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, and actually, it's funny. I um, the Vikings. I remember this. <laughs> yes, yeah. When I was actually my first weekend uh, in Reading, uh, Aaron, I was actually playing in uh, this. There was a high school uh, all star game that happened that weekend at, at Shasta's, uh, like our home stadium, uh, the week that I came uh, into into town. And uh, it's you would like in their high school game to what you have the Senior Bowl in uh, Saskatchewan, but yeah. which is played at um, May long weekend. However, these guys play it at, uh, at pretty much at the beginning of August, right? Before all these guys end up going off to colleges, right? And so we played against Butte, uh, one of our, probably, I think it was our third game of the year, third or fourth game of the season. It was probably the third game, actually. Um, and uh, I was blown away. Um, I played offense, so I got a chance to see. So I was on the sidelines, and I see this quarterback, this guy. At that time, they were running the spread. Um, they ran so the spread has kind of evolved from what it what it started as uh, to what it is now in the game. But at that time, it was very pro style. So you had um, you either had double tight ends or you had a uh, slot receiver, and you had a single running back, so ace back, what we call. Mm-hmm. And Aaron was. He destroyed us. Like he, he sliced you. Like, up. <laughs> oh, it was like it was like a knife through butter. Um, this cat was. They would just, you know, they run around shotgun. Cool. Uh, it was it was great. But they, he was he running everything underneath center. They would just roll him out and just. This kid was bestowing dimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and thinking to myself, like, this is the best quarterback I ever seen. And. You know, growing up in Saskatchewan, it's a football province, right? So you're going to be exposed to some good athletes. But I had never seen any person throw a ball this precise on the run um scramble uh just just have total command of the game and i grew up going to the rider games and so forth there and i've seen quarterbacks play, but i'm saying and that's i'm taking stock in that from mm-hmm. playing seeing rider games and high school and college and i had never seen anyone throw a ball and move like that just total natural 18 years old <laughs> yeah it's just look, a, look where you're now <laughs> yeah it's just a, it's just amazing yeah. how the dots connected yes. there you know it was like meant to be yeah. you know my friend plays against aaron Rodgers in junior college mm-hmm. and then Rodgers gets mm-hmm. drafted to my nfl team it's like it's meant to be so i know oh, yeah. one of the reasons why saskatchewan football like we've been mentioning 
why mm-hmm. uh, Saskatchewan football teams are so great is because a large mm-hmm. majority of the players stay right here at home and play their CGFL or their youth sports in their own backyard here. So selfishly, as football Saskatchewan fans, you know, we don't want to see our players leave our province to play football because we like to win. But that's always an option out there because there are a lot of players up here that are capable of playing Division One, Division Two, or junior college. So Donovan Service, a native of Regina who went on to play college ball down south, what is your biggest piece of advice to amateur football players here in Saskatchewan if they are, you know, thinking about pursuing and exploring life outside of the prairies, whether they are in RMF, CGFL, or in youth sports? First off, players have to believe. If they believe in themselves and they want to go do it, and, you know, if you can if you can see it, you can be it, right? And mm. if you have those aspirations to have something greater, and it's okay, right? I think that part of that situation where a lot of players end up staying in their backyard is because a lot of times they're not exposed to another perspective enough, um, or maybe there's there's not as much of an encouragement. Uh, like I would say that, um, and this is just my opinion, that there are some players who end up not um, playing like junior ball. They don't want to go to high, they don't want to go to university right away, and then they just don't play, right? Or they just they quit playing the sport. Like Saskatchewan has a great. Um, just that says, uh, football SAS is doing a wonderful job between their programs in regards to having their um, under uh, under 16 programs, under 18 programs to really expose these kids to a higher level of play, uh, obviously interprovince wise, but also to um, looking at them from like greater perspective, even going on to other levels of uh, the sport, albeit be junior university professionally. Um, there's a winning formula, even going, if you even break it down to from 12-man to 9-man to the 6-man program. So you get two great junior teams like the Saskatchewan, you know, the Saskatchewan Hilltops have been winning everything for years, you know, and the other Thunder, uh, they're, they've been doing well. But if you look at it, all of this is all homegrown talent, mm-hmm. right? And the University of um, the Saskatchewan Huskies, you know, they've been they've been winning on a consistent basis. So there are some great athletes and great players and look no further than uh, John Ryan right and I remember years ago uh, John was actually when he had moved on from the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers and he was playing uh, for the Green Bay Packers it was his first couple of years maybe his, maybe it was probably his second year I ran into him uh, one day in town um, this is back in I think 2007 it would have been yeah and I said to him hey you know uh, you know because John and I we played we played a little hockey together I knew John because obviously we had friends and so forth and being part of this athlete community and i said some there's a lot of people don't know about that quarterback that you guys have Aaron. he's just phenomenal he's like yeah like i see him in practice all the time doing his thing i'm like you know <laughs> right you know so john you know already knew in that sort of way but you have players like him um but uh with, uh, with uh, brett jones out of Weyburn, mm-hmm. you know i mean i think he's still kicking around the nfl like i mean you have no doubt you know we, there's some really fine athletes in the province of saskatchewan uh, I think because uh, I think a lot of kids get an opportunity to play other sports and also football and maybe come to it later on and great coaches and so forth there. Just they have the opportunity to be exposed to it. You know, if you want to go, go do it, you, you know, sometimes you got it like myself. I was my own recruiter. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if, if, if kids have that aspirations that now that you're interconnected to the Web, it's easier to look at opportunities to go to different like college camps, ID camps that exist uh 
But yeah, I would say that the sky's the limit. If uh, if you want to go and go do it, you can go do it. You just have to believe you can do it. And yeah. don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah. yeah. No, this has been awesome, man. Donovan Service, one of the great football stories here in Saskatchewan. I feel like this should be an untold episode on Netflix. You know that untold series on Netflix? Because I'm not sure if your story has ever been really yeah. publicly shared before. Night. Yeah, man. I was it's, watching that last night. It was yeah, great. Interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to thank you, brother, for taking the time today. Can't wait for football weekend in Saskatchewan. Elks Riders on the Friday. Your old team, the Thunder versus the Hilltops on Saturday afternoon, followed by the Huskies and Rams in the nightcap. You can hear all three games Right here on 620 CKRM, Ballsy will have the Riders call. I will have the call of the Thunder, and Daniela Ponticelli will have the call for the Regina Rams on that Saturday night. So, Donovan, thank you, brother. You take care out there on uh, the East. I was going to say East Coast, but you're not quite on the coast. You're out there in Ontario. But uh, thank you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, Thank you for having me. And you know what? I'm just going to say that I'm proud of how far you've come as a a broadcaster. You know what? Uh, You're doing a fine job. Uh, you'll be doing a lot of great things in the, the future. I can see it for you. And uh, thanks for having me on. And I wish your family well, you know, um, until when I say hi. Yeah, I appreciate that, my friend. That's Donovan Service on the Western Pizza Hotline. He was an inaugural member of the Regina Thunder back in the year 2000. He went on to play for Shasta College uh, down in Redding, California, and uh, homegrown right here in Regina, Saskatchewan, as we get set for football weekend in Saskatchewan coming up here on September 16th and 17th. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. All right, it's 4.54. The sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. They're hiring right now. Starting salary for service technicians is a juicy $75,000 plus a nice signing bonus on top of that. You can give them a call at 781 2090. So Team Canada is headed to the Women's World Hockey Championship semifinals after defeating Team Sweden 3 to nothing today. So Canada will take on Switzerland in the semis. And how about Bianca Andrescu? She's into the third round at the U.S. Open. She's 12-1 in her last 13 matches at the U.S. Open. Of course, remember before the pandemic, she won the U.S. Open uh, out east there in New York City. Something about those lights under the stadium there in New York City that uh, gets Bianca Andrescu going. You could say the same thing for Serena Williams. And I made a note on my pad here. I got to bring that up with Arash Madani at 6.05 because uh, that is something that we have to talk about. Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. Uh, just crazy stuff. She's playing like she's in 1999 again. So uh, that's uh, quite impressive stuff. Now joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Brian Raymond. He's out at Flowing Springs. Brian, I wish I could play a sport as good as one of, uh, you know, those fine ladies, Bianca Andreescu or uh, or Serena Williams. I also saw that Tiger Woods, he was at the Serena Williams uh, tennis match last night. Did you see that? Did you catch that on Sports I, I caught a little bit of that. Yeah, that's, uh, well, you know, great athletes tend to support great athletes. They recognize what it takes to get to that level, and uh, and they support each other. That's right. So uh, speaking of golf, speaking of Tiger Woods, now I know that myself will never be a, <laughs> a very good golfer, but I also have a couple buddies, too, that have, like, sets of clubs, and they're always asking me, hey, like, do you want to go, like, swing the clubs and hit the balls around it and I always kind of like 
push them away and be like, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to golf. But like, if somebody wants to get a golf lesson or even just to have fun, like Flowing Springs, Brian, is the place to go. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. We offer everything here. We do club repairs. We have lessons. We have a fantastic driving range. So anybody who's starting in golf, uh, that's where it starts. Go to the driving range where you can practice a little bit. And the advantage to going to the driving range is that you can repeat that shot or get that shot over with. When you're playing on the golf course, once you hit a shot, you have to go to the next shot. You can't repeat that shot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense to go to the driving range. And we have a great one. It's huge. There are no mats. It's lots of grass, lots of target greens. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, of course, if you are going to get out and play golf, this is a great weekend to do it. It's yeah. a long weekend. Uh, the weather looks like it's going to be fantastic. And if you're coming into town from the, for the Ryder game, uh, give us a call uh, ahead of time, and we'll get you on the golf course. Uh, we've still got a few tee times open on, uh, on Saturday, but certainly there's opening, a lot of openings Friday and Sunday and Monday as well. And how can we get a hold of you over there at Flowing Springs if someone's well, out there wanting to book a tee for the weekend, Brian? Uh, you can give us a call at 543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. And by the way, we're still looking for the owners of those two great Pyrenees dogs that That's we have right. here. They're beautiful dogs, Zinger, and I, they got to belong to somebody. They're worth a lot of money. So if anybody knows anything about a couple of missing uh, male and female great Pyrenees, please get a hold of us. That's right. I'm going to talk about that on my evening show throughout the weekend, throughout next week as well. Thanks for your time today, Brian. Have a good uh, Labor Day weekend. You as well, Zinger. Take care. It's Brian Raymond out at Flowing Springs with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, yeah, it's going to be a beautiful weekend here in southern Saskatchewan and a beautiful weekend for some Saskatchewan Rough Rider football. Crystal Stuce is on deck, ready to go here. Fan Day is coming up on Saturday at Mosaic Stadium for the first time in two years. Fan Day is back. We're going to talk all about it on the other side of the news. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger in for Michael Ball. Today it's 5.07 inside the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here for Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250. The text line is powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. That number, 306-936-6262. So Labor Day weekend coming up here in a few short days, and no doubt the biggest day on the CFL calendar. Uh, yeah, outside of the Grey Cup, of course, but the game on Sunday is going to be huge, but the fun starts on Saturday after a two-year hiatus. Ryder Fan Day will be returning to Mosaic Stadium on Saturday. And I am joined in studio by Crystal Stoos, the Director of Marketing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Crystal, thanks for coming in this afternoon. Hopefully you're staying <laughs> relatively cool out there. I'm looking at it right now, 33 degrees in Regina. Zinger, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we've ordered some beautiful weather this week. It's going to yeah. be such a special celebration this weekend for Rider Nation. We're so excited for the return of Fan Day this Saturday, September 3rd, presented by Capital Auto Mall. So things get underway at Mosaic Stadium right at 1130. It's free for everyone. We're going to have the Rider walkthrough. And then following that, at 1245 to 145, we'll have players all along the concourse. And then fans can also go down to the field and we'll have face painting, inflatables. We'll have the 620 CKRM Riders cheer team, pet band, and of course, our favorite, Gainer. Yes, Gainer the Gopher is going to be 
in the house. It's going to be fun. So is there going to be a, like a certain designated gate that we should kind of migrate to on Saturday? And will there be a, a bag policy entering the stadium, you know, kind of like equivalent to a, a rider game day? Is that something that we have to keep in mind? Yep, exactly. So you'll want all fans can enter at gate one for easy access. And then we'll be all the players. It'll be the, the whole team will be out on the concourse again from 1245 to 145. Mm-hmm. And then if you need a, if you need to cool off, cause it's going to be a scorcher or if you need to feed the family, Harvard six Harvard Studio six twenty will have the concessions open, and so there'll be food and beverage in there. And then um, again, you can throw a football on the field. We'll have face painting, all the inflatables for the kids, and then a lot of a lot of good fun that day. So we're we're really excited. We haven't had it for a few years. And so so to have yeah. It. So after the practice, uh, anyone in attendance can just go on the field and you know blow off some steam it might be hot out there so make sure you bring your i mean or purchase a water but that's going to be a thing you can go out on the very field that they're going to be taking on sunday yeah. and and uh run around after practice that's pretty cool yeah and the rider store will be open so you can swing in there you can buy a ball cap if you need and then head down to the field throw a football around and so again that's things get underway right at eleven thirty, yeah. and go right right through to 3 p.m on saturday and roughly what time will be uh, the autograph signing? Uh, so if fans are out there and they're kind of like, I, I don't think I can make it to the open practice, but I still want to come in for the autograph signing. Is that is that going to be allowed? Yeah, yep. for one hour. So come on down, um, enter through gate one, and players and coaches will be all along the concourse from 1245 to 145 on Saturday. Okay, and uh, that is on the west side concourse, the side that uh, Studio 620 is on, correct? Well, gate one, you can enter on the north east side. Okay, and then uh, as far as the autograph signings go, can we expect like every single player in the concourse? Because I'll tell you what, back when I was a kid, back in like 1997, (laughs) the Labor Day weekend was like my favorite thing ever because I got to like meet my favorite riders. I remember I started bawling in line once because I was like, I'm never going to meet these guys. And Don Narcisse came up to me and he put me over his shoulder and then he walked me to the front of the line. So, like, these are, like, those type of memories that these uh, new generation of kids are going to experience on Saturday. And uh, it's just going to be so cool. So, like, every single player will be available in the concourse. Yep. All your favorite players. The entire team will be down there. All of our coaches. It's going to be – it's just going to be such a great day. Yeah. So, get there early. And um, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you said face painting, a lot of other type of activities going on in the concourse, too. So it's not just the autograph signing and not just the the field access after. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. In the so concourse. all the inflatables, face painting, yeah. uh, pep band, our cheer team and gainer, that'll be on the field. Right. Yeah, okay. right after the walkthrough. Right on. Crystal Stoost, the director of marketing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders with us. And so you already mentioned Harvard Studio 620 will be open for fans to grab a nice tasty burger or three. So that's (laughs) going to be good. Let's talk about uh, the Coors Light Party in the park because that's Saturday. Saturday is going to be great. It's kind of like your appetizer. But then Sunday comes around. I mean, it's just not the football game that we're going to be enjoying on Sunday. This is going to be quite the tailgate party. The Coors Light Party in the park. There's going to be a lot of giveaways happening. Maybe uh, just... Take us into some of the deets for Sunday outside of Mosaic Stadium. Sure. So the main event, we're really, really excited. It's the 57th Labor Day Classic Mm -hmm. this Sunday, September 4th. And so things get underway early, right at 1 p.m. Come on down to Coors Light Party in the Park from 1 to 3.30. And the first 500 fans that arrive to Party in the Park will receive a 
special giveaway, a branded watermelon Ooh. cowboy hat. So okay. you can bring that into the game. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so come on down right at one. First 500 fans into Coors Light Party in the Park. We'll get their special edition watermelon cowboy hat. And then we're going to be having, right at 2 p.m., we kick off with a our first annual watermelon eating contest. Oh, wow. Very apropos. Wow. <laughs> and, and then... Um, Is Joey Chestnut going to be at this? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> not, kidding. Not confirmed. <laughs> not confirmed. Um, so as I was saying, Labor Day is a really special weekend across the province. And yeah. so we're highlighting, you know, a bunch of up-and-coming local Saskatchewan talent for the Labor Day uh, triple header. We're going to have a triple header concert. So Coors Light Party in the Park, we'll have J.J. Voss. He's playing from 2.15 to 3.15. Okay. Our pregame concert inside Mosaic will be Dead Levy. And then we have a 2021 SCMA Emerging Artist of the Year, Caitlin Leonard at the halftime show. Wow. So like you said, there's there's just so much going on this whole weekend. It's going to be such a fun celebration. And we've ordered really lovely weather. Yeah, so. this is this is great. Sounds like a whole lot of work and a whole lot of planning goes into this. So like we appreciate you 110% for everything that you do for our Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Cannot wait for... Uh, this coming weekend, and do you have a maybe a score prediction? What do you think is going to happen here on, on Sunday? I got I got to ask. You know, I always we're we're coming off a really good a really great win last week in BC, and yeah. I I feel like we're going to get a, a strong repeat. The the team is is feeling good. They're looking good on the practice, and we're bringing our A game. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think another like walk off Brett Lauder field goal and into Pill Country. <laughs> I think that's on tap. I mean, the, the football gods already gave us some really good weather. I think the football gods are going to come in clutch and maybe give us a last second field goal win. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So we shall see. It's a 4 p.m. kickoff on uh, Sunday. Am I missing out on anything? Uh, any other kind of details on Saturday and Sunday that we haven't touched on? Because this is going to be such a fun weekend. It is. And I don't want to leave uh, people out there thinking, I wish uh, I would have known this, I wouldn't know that. But uh, I think we got all the bases covered. I mean, the great autograph signing coming up on Saturday. We got uh, uh, the field access. You got all the the balloon, all the activities going on. Yep. Gainer, the Gophers going to be there. Players, players autographs, 1245 to 145 Saturday afternoon. And then, yeah, get to party in the park early because we know it's going to be a full house that entire day yeah, on it's, Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Crystal Stews, the Director of Marketing for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, with us in studio getting set for Labor Day weekend. Fan Day on Saturday, Coors Light Party in the Park on Sunday. Then, of course, the grand finale, the Labor Day Classic, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Crystal, thanks for again for coming in today this is awesome singer such a pleasure thank you right on sports cage celebrity picks with ballsy and jeff hecht coming up on the other side this is the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 ckrm time now for our second edition of celebrity cfl picks and we're joined on the phone by jeff hecht former cfl safety two-time great cup champ 2014 with the stamp 2019 with the winnipeg blue bombers how are you today jeff I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: a celebrity is a bit of a stretch. Oh, come on! But uh, I'll, pay, I'll take it. Come on, man! You're a ce- you're more of a celebrity than I am. Let's get to it, man. Uh, Ottawa, Montreal. Uh, we got a little ownership turmoil in Montreal. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I guess uh, Vernon Adams has been traded out to the BC Lions, so it's Trevor Harris's team. And Nick Arbuckle didn't look too bad in Edmonton against one of his former teams. The I call him the CFL's littlest hobo, Nick Arbuckle. He's been everywhere, basically. Uh, so uh, he didn't look too bad there for Ottawa. How do you got that game shaken down? Uh, 
I think it's going to take a little bit longer for Nick Arbuckle to, to get dialed in. Uh, I think the reason he played uh, – I think he played a lot better than the statistics showed against Edmonton, but he also knew a lot of the intricacies of that defense. So, um, uh, and, and with Montreal, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised Vernon Adams got moved, uh, or I don't know if it's official yet or yeah, what's is. going on there. But, but uh, uh, what I am surprised about is it took so long. It, it was clear that um, whether it's the new head coach, GM, or whoever had decided that Trevor Harris was going to be the guy uh, quite early, if not before the season started. So, um, But I think um, I think Montreal wins this one. I think they um, their quarterback situation offers a little bit more stability. Um, Nick Arbuckle is going to be riding high. Um, yeah. But I think he just needs a little more time. Uh, Lapo's got an offense that uh, – does well because of its intricacies. It takes some more time to learn his playbook, I think, than uh, than guys think. Yeah. So I, I think Montreal is going to be able to squeak that one out in an ugly one. Yeah, ugly. Their defense is playing well. They got a really good defense, a really good front seven. So I don't disagree with you there. Okay, let's get to uh, some of the other good ones here. We've got. Uh, we'll we'll wait for the West games last. Toronto and Hamilton. I mean, the Tiger Cats are in must-win mode now. Well, yeah, the Tiger Cats have been in must-win mode since about uh, 2019, I think, was when it started. Um, I had a conversation with somebody. They, they had mentioned the continuity in the CFL and how continuity of success. They said, look at Calgary, um, look at Winnipeg, and look at Hamilton as, as indications of success. You know, low turnover coaching staff. And I was quick to remind them that uh, – Getting far and losing is not the same as succeeding. Uh, I think Hamilton has um, – it's the elephant in the room. It's be, uh, this, this must-win mentality is an ugly monster that is uh, unfortunately consuming their entire roster. I think, I think it's too much for most guys to handle. And I think Toronto's finally playing the type of football that I expected them to play early off in the season. They got an incredibly deep roster, I think, uh, the best roster in the East by quite a margin. They're rolling. Um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is a inconsistent quarterback, but he always seems to progress in one direction. There's, there's a improvement, and he's, he's playing well. I think Toronto um, puts it to him. All right, good. I, I don't disagree with that. You talk about uh, being overwhelmed. It looks like Dane Evans is overwhelmed, doesn't it? I, I, I can't tell you what happened to him. I, I mean, um, he didn't have this polarizing reputation when, when Jeremiah Mazzoli was there. I don't know what changes they've, they've made or, or injuries or what have you, but he has 180 his career in the wrong direction. And um, as a CFL fan, it's tough to watch. Um, and, I, and I imagine for Hamilton uh, uh, coaching staff and, and their football operations staff especially, it's, it's incredibly – difficult to see that paycheck go out every week for what they're getting tell you what man it's got to be tough to watch for victor Quee in edmonton he's been doing his best along with amar doman and bc to reinvigorate a once proud franchise in edmonton but chris jones when he takes over a team like he did in saskatchewan usually treats the full year like a whole training camp and that looks to be the case again they just sent out nafis lion and Costigan to Montreal for Avery Ellis. I think they got the better player in the deal, but uh, I don't know if this will be much of a ball game here coming up in the uh, Alberta version of the Labor Day Classic. 
No, I can't imagine watching that one more than uh, more than halfway through the second quarter before it it becomes an uninteresting. I've been critical of the uh, Edmonton football team. Um, their moves, you know, I I played with Chris Jones, so I understand he's a man of process, and and everybody says, you know, he's he's a long term thinker, which he's proven to be. The trade was bizarre to me. I think uh, I thought Lyon was um, distinguishably their best defensive back on the roster right now. Um, but Chris Jones is a mover and shaker. Uh, the team is not showing any indications for me to be hopeful as, a, as somebody who lives in the city of champions. Um, I think this one's going to be ugly. I think Calgary's hitting a stride. I, I think the situation in BC, um, for better or worse, reinvigorated Calgary to their um, – realistic hopefulness for a home playoff game and a legitimate shot at now competing to win the West final. I think this one is going to be, um, it's going to be the most one-sided game <laughs> in, 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 in Labor Day. And it's going to be, uh, it may contend for, uh, their worst loss of the year statistically. Is there a, you know, if, if, if Jason Shivers of the Riders was an offensive guy and ran a productive offense like this, he'd be snapped up and talked about as the next head coach in waiting in this league. Is there a scenario, do you think, where Chris Jones, who obviously loves Jeff Hecht to uh, be a personnel guy and is pretty good at bringing in guys, we still have remnants of what he brought in, a lot of them here in Saskatchewan, so there's no doubting that. Is there a scenario where Chris Jones just does that and lets maybe a guy, one of the guys from his coaching tree, Jason Shivers, come in and get that head coaching job? Uh, I don't think so. I think you're right. I think anyone that's um, spent some time around Chris Jones I think he would even admit it. He likes being a roster manipulator, a GM, a scout, uh, whatever you want to call it. He enjoys that aspect of, of football more than coaching, I think. Not to say that he doesn't love coaching, you know, um, he's all in on it. But I think that is his passion, is, is the moving and shaking and finding the diamonds in the rough. Um, I don't think he... Uh, gives up the job like most coaches, most guys who aspire to be head coaches. Um, they're ego guys. All of them are. Mm-hmm. Everybody that uh, ascends to any organization to be the leader of the organization, you have to be an ego guy. You have to think your way is the way. It's tough to delegate. It's tough to take the reins and hand them to somebody else. Um, what Huff did in Calgary, stepping away and promoting uh, he knew he was losing his offensive coordinator or his defensive coordinator when uh, Rick Campbell was the defensive coordinator. And if Huff didn't promote Dave, he was at risk of losing both of them. He stepped away. It, it's a rare move. I don't think it happens very often in football. I don't ever expect it to happen. Um, and yeah. as far as offenses go, Chris Jones has his offensive coordinator. Everybody yeah. who's been around the CFL knows that, that McAdoo is his um, like guys use the guys use the, the phrase best friend, and it's not. Uh, I think the term best friend is underselling their relationship together. They are um, ride or die. They are best friends. They are brothers um, till the end of the earth. I think uh, McAdoo will be the offensive coordinator for Chris Jones if Chris Jones has his say, because uh, that is something that is bigger in both of their lives i think their relationship with each other than football so mm-hmm. i don't see it happening I, i'm with you i think it would be the way to turn it around 
you can't be a guru of everything. You can't be a defensive and an offensive guru at the same time. Uh, if Chris Jones is doing the defense, you need a guy to do the offense. And it would improve them, but uh, it's not realistic. Okay, so before we get to the pick, the, the, the big one we care about around here, Riders and the Blue Bombers, where I think you can officially, in most cases, throw the record out of the window. The Rough Riders have won 14 of the last 16. They lost last year 23-8 to to the Bombers. Bombers have had their number here since basically 2019. But before we get to that, Jeff, as a former defensive guy, you must be smiling like a butcher's dog. You got you got Big Hill, Jeffcoat, and Willie Jefferson on one side, just to speak of three. And then on the rider's side, you got the tackling machine, Sankey and Dean. And then you got Moncrief, AC Leonard. I mean, this is this is ripe with some great defensive talent. Yeah, it's it's quite impressive. Uh, I outside of Sankey, I think I played with all those guys at some point. So it's it's a nice. Uh, thing to reflect on seeing some of these guys in their younger days and seeing uh, where they developed. In 2021, uh, I thought Jackson Jeffcoat was the best defensive end in the league. In 2019, I thought he was the third best behind Willie and, and Jagira Davis. Um, he's been a stud for quite some time. Uh, Darnell Sankey is just – I've enjoyed watching him since he was with Calgary. He, he is just, for a guy that size, to be uh, seemingly all over the field. It's a strange thing to see in the CFL, but it's, it's quite impressive. Um, the Riders' defensive line getting healthy the way they have at the right time. Um, they might have two of the top six defensive ends in the league right now as well with A.C. Leonard and, and uh, Robertson. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie Jefferson is a, um, I don't know what to call him, a generational talent uh, um, uh, a genetic mismatch. He's he, people that size shouldn't be able to do what he does, and the thing he does, um, he makes. He doesn't make game-changing plays unless they are required. He when the, he just has an innate knack for making a play when there is a play to be made, whether it's a bat down, an interception, a big sack, a tackle for loss. There's just some magnet in him that is attracting to the big situation, and uh, big hill. I was uh, I had this debate with myself this last off season. Um, you know, I was thinking Big Hill may be the best uh, linebacker to ever play in the CFL. I'm an Edmonton guy. I always I was figured Willie Pless was in that mix, uh, but given the credentials, the way he's still playing at a high level, uh, Big Hill to me looks like he's got at least two more of these elite years. Uh, so I think he, it's at the point now in his career where he is maybe. Uh, the best, he is for sure the best linebacker in the CFL history and maybe one of the best defensive players, if not the, um, to have all these guys in one game. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting for fans. It's going to be fun, yeah, for sure. Okay, so Jeff, we're up against the clock. Uh, just in about a minute or so, tell me who do you got in this game and why? I got Winnipeg all day long. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a big gap, but I think the, 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 the game is going to be – the game is going to be pretty one-sided. Maybe the score won't reflect it. Uh, Winnipeg has looked more human in the last few games. Maybe it's just their games with Calgary that make them look that way. Saskatchewan is, you know, I, I kind of ignore that BC win because of the BC's quarterback situation. They're trending in the wrong direction. Uh, their quarterback is trending in the wrong direction. I fully expect them to continue to slide um, and default themselves to the East crossover only because uh, Edmonton, you know, best case scenario, they were looking at five wins. So Saskatchewan's going to cross over and they're going to um, 
be on a downward trend uh, with the way their offense is playing. I don't, I don't see them being able to score uh, anywhere near where, where, where they're going to need to be competitive. Let me- That's Michael Ball with former CFLer Jeff Hecht on the Western Pizza Hotline. Press coverage with Glenn Suter coming up next on the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Yes, Saria never gets old hearing Ronnie Lancaster's voice. It's time for press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Glenn, I remember back in the year 2000, the Tiger Cats were in town at the time, and I was like an eight-year-old kid who went down to the Tiger Cats practice a day before the game, and I'll never forget after practice, I went down low and I met Danny McManus, Joe Monford, and Ron Lancaster, who, of course, was the head coach at the time. And the Tiger Cats mm-hmm. won the Grey Cup the year prior, which was actually the last time Hamilton has won it, I believe. But uh, Ronnie Lancaster had his Grey Cup ring on, and he took it off and gave it to me to try on. And it was something that I will never forget as a young kid. And that's like what our league is all about, you know, accessibility, being able to interact with the young fans, which in return, you know, plants a seed in their heart, if you will. That's something that you don't really have the opportunity to do in the National Football League. Like, no one's going to walk into the Green Bay Packers practice and start hanging out with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. So I think it's something the CFL should continue to embrace, maybe even schedule events for fans to come visit the visiting team after practice which will maybe in return bloom a few new young fans. Mm, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, Zinger. Like it's, you know, I, I have my own personal stories like that as well. When I, I first got a chance to go to the Nally's chip seats at a game in Old Empire Stadium in Vancouver when my father and I would drive down from Prince George and, you know, drive the 500 miles, go to a game, and he'd drive all the way back because we'd go to the game on Saturday night. He had to be back Sunday because he worked Monday. And, um, you know, so it was it was quite the journey. But I would listen to the games on the radio at the time. And then we get to go to one a year. And I'd sit in the Nally chip seats, which was uh, just for kids, where parents would drop their kids off. And then uh, all you needed to get into that section was an empty bag of Nally chips. Oh, and, wow. That's um, cool. Yeah, yeah, and then we would run on the field. They'd open a gate for every kid in that section. It was in the end zone. It was sort of a bleacher thing in the end zone. And and then they'd open up the gates, and we'd run on the field after a game. And that was one of those years was the Cardiac Kids, the BC Lions mm-hmm. with Jerry Taggy and and Jim Young and, you know, there's just so Joe Fourqueen and, um, you know, a lot of great names. And I ran on the field, and I ran into Jim Young, and he kneeled down and, he gave me his chin strap, which I still have today, by the yeah. way. And uh, you know, and 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 at that at that moment, I was the same as you. I was, it, it was just like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm standing in this field of dreams almost with these with these warriors who just won in the final second, and the tens of kids on the field. And he spent a good five minutes with me and said, Hey, if you want to play football, keep your dream alive and keep working at it. And I was like, wow, that was inspiration for me. So yeah, yeah, you know, I I couldn't agree more. I I think that's what our league is, is should be proud of. And we should lean into not, not to, um, to, you know, some of the narratives that are out there where, which sort of say, well, it's, it's a smaller league. So you can do that. 
and that's such a negative connotation to it. I, I think you lean into it. I, I think us being accessible and our athletes being accessible, world-class athletes, by the way, um, being accessible, you know, is, is what is so great about it. If you go to do that and try that in Major League Baseball, the guys would probably try to charge you for an autograph. Yeah. I mean, or you I've get kicked out of the stadium time. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, this league has uh, got approachable athletes that will spend time with you. So many have done it throughout, especially in Saskatchewan. My goodness, all the off-season speaking engagements that the guys do. It's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a way to connect with the fans, and the fans get a chance to actually see their heroes and, and guys they see on the field during the weekends of the season, and I couldn't agree more. I think we need to lean into it. Yeah, and the reason why I thought of it is because uh, Labor Day weekend, obviously, here, and this weekend more than any is like where the interaction is at its peak. I mean, on Saturday at Mosaic Stadium, fans can come on in and watch the riders practice, and then afterwards the riders will be in the concourse signing autographs and stuff and it's actually the first time we're able to do this since 2019 since uh the pandemic and stuff so it kind of got me thinking of uh how did i kind of get onto the canadian football league and that mm-hmm. ronnie lancaster story was definitely one of them and yeah it's arguably the biggest weekend on the cfl calendar i mean outside of the gray cup labor day weekend has to be number one i mean uh the game for as long as i can remember has always had I don't know, like a, a different feel to it. My very first Ryder game I went to was Labor Day 1996, and so many games after that, my family would sit in the grass in the end zone at Taylor Field. So if anyone listening out there that's never been to a Labor Day Classic in Regina Glen, it's like one of those games that every football fan deserves to see live at least once. Without question, and it's one that the players absolutely embrace, no matter what the record's. It doesn't matter. The records are, are put aside. It's kind of like it's, – it's almost like a playoff game in that regard where the regular season records don't matter anymore, and it's just the best team on that day that matters. And, and then you have bragging rights, and you own Labor Day again. And, you know, it's, it's so deep in history. And, and when the players come out, I remember, I remember every Labor Day game, like not the details of the game, but just the atmosphere, just the feeling, just the completely packed Taylor Field grass uh, hill mm-hmm. at the back end. You know, the, the band at the other end that would always, you know, play those great sort of yeah. in-between plays and in-between the quarters. Family and fun things. zone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great the family memories. fun zone and, 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 and the college section in Taylor Field as well. And, and you know, now we've got in, in that far end zone, you know, you've got your Pilsner section, the Pils section and all that. So they brought a lot of that over to the new stadium. But you're, you're right, the atmosphere in the Labor Day Classic, the records are put aside. It doesn't matter if you struggled or you're coming out of a losing streak or whatever. This is a rivalry game. We love rivalries. I mean, you can talk about the severity of the rivalry um, throughout the years has changed. Like sometimes it was us against Edmonton and the evil empire. We felt like was our biggest rival. And then now it's back to sort of Winnipeg because they're the top guys on the mountain again. Yeah. So it's kind of like you got to knock them off and you got to do it on Labor Day in front of a packed house. It's in a sellout crowd. And you're right. The atmosphere is different. It just, I, it's, it's hard to describe. I mean, all these years, it's hard to find the right words to explain it. And maybe that's what makes it great, is that you can't just classify it under a category of 
It's it's this level of intensity. It's so good. It's almost always great weather. It looks like it will be again this year. So I don't know. I I just it is the biggest regular season uh, game of the of the year for the CFL across the country. Looking back at your playing career, when you think of the Labor Day Classic, is there like either one or two plays that stand out in your mind or maybe one or two games that really, uh, when you think of the game itself, you kind of sit back and think, man, I, I remember that so vividly. Like, those were the good old days. Is there kind of like a memory that comes to mind when it comes to the Labor Day Classic? Yeah, there there are. Like, the any interception and hearing the crowd, I think I had a couple in labor on the Labor Day game, in, in the Labor Day game, it was... I, I can't even remember the quarterback, but there was a year early in my career. I'm not going to say I was a rookie. It might have been my second year, but we weren't very good. We, Our record at that point, I think we had two wins maybe going into the Labor Day game or maybe just one win going into the game, ended up with three or four on the season. But and So we, we weren't a contending team, and Winnipeg was. Winnipeg was a 6-2 and two team, something like that, um, coming in. On, on Labor Day at Taylor Field, and I, I remember an interception and the roar of the crowd that was so deafening. And, and the crowd, when, when, <laughs> yeah, when, the, when, the, when the crowd was, you know, in second and long when the Bombers had key situations offensively, and I remember the crowd where I, could, I would turn and look to Terry Irvin or Ken Hinton or Fran McDermott back in those days and I would turn to them and I couldn't we were standing beside each other and I they couldn't hear me and I couldn't hear them it was it was that loud to where on defense we had to signal our yeah. our coverages to each other you know because you know if we said tippy toe they weren't going to hear it <laughs> that's just awesome to think about because like that's what Mike Adam will be going through on Sunday or like on the opposing team like those players are going to experience those same type of uh vibes that you went through as a player and it's just like as a fan like I'm excited for the players to play in this game uh the memories for yourself obviously they continued well after your playing career you were uh, doing the play-by-play in 2002 on TSN for the famous Rocky Butler game it seems like we talk about this game like once a month <laughs> and it's 2022 right. i just remember a uh, rocky butler after one of his long td runs in the north end zone the family fun zone end of the field a bunch of fans went on the field and like dog piled on top of them and and uh, one guy actually spilled his beer all over rocky and butler was just loving it the atmosphere <laughs> that afternoon was just insane what do you remember about that game well, I I hope. Well, I do remember the game. I remember it well, and yeah. I and I hope that the league, if anything like that happens, remotely close to that happens again this coming weekend, there are no uh, a violation of protocol penalties or supplemental discipline that's handed out because this is different. And if and if that happens, and you know, you see Pajardo up in the pill section, just leave him alone and let him enjoy it. Yeah, just um, leave him alone. <laughs> As long as he doesn't touch a nacho, I guess, or something. I yeah, <laughs> I guess that's the problem. But, and, you know, I, I, I just I remember the game. And, you know, that's the other thing about Labor Day. It just seems like there are times, and, you know, I, I can go back. I, I know we're right now at TSN, we're trying to look at all the biggest moments in Labor Day history and try mm -hmm. and pull them out for video replays and things and to have flashbacks during the telecast. But 
you know, when you think of the Rocky Butler play, it's it's an indication of, of that on this weekend, there are unsung heroes that step up and guys that you don't expect. Guys like Bresciani, Rob Bresciani. Remember Rob Bresciani? Mm-hmm. Guys like that who have monster games on Labor Day and sort of set the table for the rest of their career. It, it really is a game. It, it, it is a career-changing game in a lot of ways with the intensity of the fans, the importance of the rivalry. The coaches so badly want to win and have bragging rights. And if they you know, professionally tell you, well, it's just another game, or it's not just another game, okay? They're lying to you. It's <laughs> not even close. No. Not even close. This is a game that they absolutely want to win because at the end of the year, no matter what your record or where you finish, you walk out and say, well, we won our Labor Day game. You know, I think, and I'm going to take it even to another level, I think there has been times in the in the Riders' history where poor seasons, except for a Labor Day win, saved the coach's job. Mm. In other words, uh, they had a bad season, maybe didn't make the playoffs, but their job was saved because they won on Labor Day. Yeah, And, and honestly, I, I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah, probably not. I mean, uh, we're going to be creating some more Labor Day memories here on Sunday. This game, like we mentioned, sold out. Over 33,000 fans will be packed inside Mosaic Stadium. The Bombers have been practicing with crowd noise all week, try to you know replicate what they will hear on Sunday. Uh, for the Riders, Brayden Lenius will be back in the full, probably more than likely rotating in and out. And I'll tell you what. I'm really bothered because a few guests throughout the week uh, have basically said the Riders have no chance of winning this football game. And we already kind of addressed this earlier, but I'm thinking to myself, it does not matter what the records are on Labor Day. I mean, we already talked about how Rocky Butler led the Riders. He beat Kahari Mm -hmm. Jones and the Bombers in 2002. Kahari Jones was like the best quarterback in the league. I mean, it's one football game, and it's, uh, you know, uh, it's just surprising to me how some people are not putting any weight into the fact that, hey, this is Labor Day. Labor Day. You know what I (laughs) mean? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, it is. And, you know, this is, first of all, even if it wasn't a home game for Saskatchewan with their defense right now, I'll make an argument that they could beat any team, including Winnipeg, on any given night. Um, with that, and it starts with their defense and yes. just the play of their defense, especially with their guys back. Now you add in Braden Lenius, you add in that Shaq Evans is possible. You got Kyron Moore back in the lineup. Um, you know, I, I, they can beat Winnipeg on any given night. Okay, so that, and then you add the intensity of Labor Day, the importance of it. The players know it. I mean, you can't. You know, it's kind of like I've always said that when you head into the playoffs, there is a different level of intensity that is required and if players could bottle that and understand how to get their bodies and minds to that level of intensity every regular season game if you could get 50 players to do that every regular season game you go undefeated mm-hmm. because the because it, it's human nature to to take it to that next level knowing the the urgency of the moment which is if you lose you're done so that you cannot you cannot control, no matter how much you try as an athlete, you're trying to figure out how can I get myself to that intensity level every single game and every single day in practice. It's impossible. We're human beings, and it just you just can't get there. But you can get as close as you can ever get is in Labor Day, is on the Labor Day weekend. So mm-hmm. I, just, I just think it happens to players 
it's hard to control. They try to bottle it up and do it every game. They try to give their best every game, but there's just a different level. And and don't and as all the fans listening right now, please do not underestimate the value of going nuts when Zach Kolaris has the football. Right. And making it almost impossible for him to communicate. Because forget about even the procedure call. That just wears on a guy so badly. I remember I remember feeling the same thing in the banjo bowl. Now on defense it was quiet usually because but just the overall when our offense was on the field and I'm on the bench listening going, Oh my God, this is just deafening in the banjo bowl and it just wears on you in that three hour moment to a point where you're kinda like, Get me out of this mess, right? <laughs> and honestly, like I'm just talking about the human element, so don't underestimate if fans listening the the importance and the value of being really loud when Zach Claris has the ball. Yeah, there's no doubt too. And uh when they are being loud like that, they're gonna be creating some lasting memories for these players like you mentioned that's one thing that you remember most too is is when you were playing i mean all you could think of was the crowd noise and that's the impact that the fans can have i mean like 15 20 years later i mean these players will sit back and they'll be like man that labor day game was just insane when you're calling the game on labor day glenn do you ever kind of get uh you know the competitive juices flowing kind of <laughs> being like oh man i remember when i was out there you know kind of like goosebumpy does that still happen to you well, it, it does for as far as the intensity. I mean, first of all, I love doing games in, in Mosaic Stadium because of that, that great fan experience. But also on Labor Day, it's, it's just the intensity is so much higher that it it just gets you going. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the 2013 Grey Cup when the home team is playing in it. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're just like that level of intensity is just so high. It's not to say that I'm, and I'll, I got to be careful here because it's not to say that I'm cheering for one team or another. And my memories don't go back to, come on, beat Winnipeg. No. But my, my, my memories go back to the, to the great atmosphere, what those players are going through and how they feel like they're, you know what, it, it, and I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. When you walk on the field on Labor Day or a playoff game or a Grey Cup game, it feels like you're not standing on ground. It feels like you're floating a little mm, bit. Yeah. It's like, you know, and I've had so many players as a broadcaster that are playing in the Grey Cup or playing on Labor Day that have come up to me and they've said, hey, man, I, I'm so nervous for this game. You know, how do you how do you control that? You know, and I just, I, always, I would always recommend go back to the playbook just before kickoff, go into your playbook, make sure you have your checks, Get back to the routine of it, and it'll distract you enough that you'll settle in. And after the first couple of plays, you do settle in immediately. But those, when you're walking out and warm up, and you hear the crowd, and and you feel the atmosphere in the you know the night before, walking through the mall and the restaurants and jerseys on everywhere, and, and everything that's going on in the city. Yeah, you can feel it already, like downtown yeah, here. You can feel yeah. it already. And we're at what Thursday, so. Yeah, you feel like you're not. You feel like you can't feel your feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I know what you mean. And uh, coming up here on Sunday as well. This is another thing. We're up against the clock here, but I wanted to sneak this in. Uh, someone told me earlier this week that uh, if Cody Fajardo plays a poor first or second quarter in this football game on Sunday that he will more than likely be pulled. Now, this is just like a, a fan, a friend of mine, right? So yeah. I'm thinking to myself, 
Man, this guy is coming off the best game of his the season, okay? Fajardo, best game of the season last week. And, you know, the outside world is still lifting up their leg on him. It's kind of like there's no way that Fajardo is coming out of this game on Sunday. I truly believe that Fajardo being pulled a few weeks ago was more of a one-time thing, I hope at least. But, like, can't we just enjoy the guy's success? I mean, the guy's coming off a really good game. Why not just ride that wave with him? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I don't think he should come out. I don't think even if he struggles in the first quarter, if the offense struggles in the first quarter, if he misses a couple of throws in the first quarter, absolutely not. I mean, I just all you have to do to get perspective there is to look at what happened when Nathan Rourke was injured and it was Michael O'Connor. Now, Michael O'Connor and Antonio Pipkin are – you know, potentially very good players down the road. I mean, O'Connor, we know what Pipkin did do a little bit, but when you saw the difference, you go, oh, my goodness. Like, yes. this is this is five, ten steps backwards, and that's not a slight on those guys. Those guys will get there in their careers, hopefully sooner rather than later. But it's it, when your starter and your star and your franchise player, yes, maybe one time here and there he's going to have a bad quarter. You don't yank him every time. Mason Fine is going to be fine, but he's but he's 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 young. He's a kid. You know, I just unless Cody is injured, he is your guy and your he's your best chance to win. And that nothing really more has to be said. Press coverage with Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks for your time, Glenn. We'll see you Sunday. I'm all juiced for this game now. Hopefully our listeners are too. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> we'll see you Sunday, my friend. Thanks, Zinger. Can't wait for it. <laughs> Me either. I know Ryder Nation is ready for this game on Sunday. 4 p.m. kickoff, 1 p.m. pregame show on 620 CKRM. Heading to break. This is the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Time for Coast to Coast with the Rash Madani and it's brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. So, Rash, the Jays have basically one month left now in the regular season and you're on your way to Pittsburgh to join them for the start of a very long road trip and a very big one. Uh, a road trip where it feels like so much is riding on, uh, you know, this 10-gamer. What should the Blue Jays fans out there be looking for as signs on whether or not this team has it or not this year? Well, Zinger, I mean, I think it's really so much of this is about an offense that just disappears at times, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Really does. You, you, you watch and you're saying to yourself, okay, it feels like they found their groove. It feels like they found their rhythm. There's some, you know, smart approaches. There's some good hitting, and then it just vanishes. Mm -hmm. And so when you really look at it, that's that's the ticket at this point in the season. You know, uh, a baseball season, any kind of pro sports season, has ebbs and flows and ups and downs and different trends. But at this point, you know. By the way, as if it's September. Um, at this point, now that the month of September is here, this is where Vlad and Bo and Tay Oscar and Kirk and the rest now have to do their thing. Now it's up to them to live out their part of the bargain. If they do, there's a shot here for this team. Otherwise, 
doesn't it feel that the playoffs are kind of teetering right now, hanging in the balance they're, right now? They're slipping through the cracks. And all, like, the runners left on base at times, too, is just frustrating as a fan sitting back there. And, like, you mentioned a bunch of things here, but not starting pitching. So usually that's the indicator. So what's changed? Well, it's because they've had reliability at starting pitching outside of Mitch White. You know, it feels like Barrios has turned the corner. Jose Barrios, their opening day starter, who's had real ups and downs. Kevin Gosman's been superb. Alec Manoa's been outstanding. And Ross Stripling, you know, I was talking to Pete Walker, the pitching coach, whatever it was, a week or so ago in Boston. And Walker called Stripling their most valuable pitcher. You know, four out of the five, 80% of your rotation, you know what you're going to get, and you're pretty confident with what you have. It's so that that's fine. And that was something that was a big question mark going into the trade deadline. What they addressed the trade deadline did not pay off in, in Mitch White. But the rest of the starting pitching, those guys have lived up to their end of the bargain. And this is a team, like we mentioned, that fell just short of the playoffs last year. Kind of feels like it's slipping a bit currently as well. What are some of the lessons maybe that was learned from last year that can help this team going forward here? Well, I just think that you now understand how different, you know, it's Wilding. You're like, yesterday they lose the Cubs, but they win the series. Mm-hmm. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the be- the end of August, and the beginning of September are two different animals. It almost feels like when the calendar flips, now you're really playing for keeps. Now everything's on the line. Now everything gets magnified. Now there's there's more to all of it. And so I think going through that September push, and they were red hot in the last month of the season last year, gives them an understanding of what to expect, how to handle situations, how to handle emotions. There, there are, It's not just a big road trip coming up. Singer, if you look at how compressed this schedule is, it's wild. Like, they play a day game Sunday in Pittsburgh. Then they go to Baltimore. They're going to play a doubleheader Monday in Baltimore. They play four games in three days. They come back home after a series with Texas. They have a five-gamer with the Rays. They go down to Tampa for a four-gamer, and there's still three more with Baltimore at home. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, and that's the murderer's row of the AL East, where they have to handle their business against those teams that are in that wild-card conversation. And they have to handle their business against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, they're like dead last almost in the whole major. So, like, with all this said, do you think the do you think the Blue Jays have it this year? Can we watch postseason baseball finally once again after, you know, a couple-year layoff? I do think they're going to get in. I do. That's not, that's not being a homer. Mm-hmm. That's not somebody who's too close to the team. I just look around and I say, who's going to pass them? And is it going to be Minnesota? Maybe, but I just think that this offense is good enough to get it done. And if the starting pitching does what the starting pitching does, look, we haven't even touched on the bullpen. They've been top three in the majors since the month, since the beginning of July. If the bullpen can continue doing what it's doing, I think they have enough in an expanded playoffs to get into October. And then from there, you know, all bets are off. 
And let's hope we can watch some Blue Jays baseball in the postseason this year. It's Arash Madani, coast-to-coast on the Western Pizza Hotline. Now, Arash, let's talk some Serena Williams, man, because I was watching some of that last night. She beat the number two-ranked player in the world, loved her uh, post-game or post-match uh, interview on the court. I mean, it's like going back in time here. Serena Williams doing her thing. Wasn't it interesting last night in that post-match interview, Zinger, mm-hmm. when she said, this is the first time since 1999 I don't feel like a target's on my back? Yeah, that was something. And then she was like, uh, you know, I'm a pretty good player too, you know? Like, yeah, I beat the number two ranked player in the world, but, you know, I'm Serena Williams, so yeah, just stay don't tuned. about me now. <laughs> yeah. There's so many layers to this. But the target on the back since 1999 is a wild one. Mm. Like in 1999, more people had dial-up internet, and we didn't know what Wi-Fi was. There was no such thing as a smartphone. There was a cell phone, and just, you know, flip phones were just coming in. That's how long Serena Williams has had a dominance on the sports world, on the tennis world. But now there's just this freedom if you will there's this you know an abandonment of pressure because she's not expected to do anything if we're if we're being honest with ourselves serena's tennis level in the first round was probably around 100 in the world Uh, she hasn't played well in quite some time but you know the sports gods somehow some way have put it all together and yes she beat the number two player in the world this is not to take anything away from Williams, Zinger. Mm. But if we're being real with one another, it's not just Serena. You were walking into Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York with, you know, Contavite was going up not just against one of the greatest to ever do it, but with 30,000 people rooting against her. And that's an intimidating cauldron there in those circumstances. Yeah, so like you've been to the U.S. Open, Arash. You've covered it before. What is it about that stadium in New York, right across the street there from the New York Mets Stadium? I've actually been there once before. What is it about this stadium under the lights that brings out the best in Serena Williams? Not just the best in Serena Williams. There's some magic zinger that can happen there. And it's one thing about the day session. It's something else, as you mentioned, under the lights. Like in prime time, for, for those of a certain vintage, they'll remember 30 years ago, Jimmy Connors out of nowhere at the age of 41 going on a run into the semifinals. There's something special. There's something mysterious. There's some, there's some, there's some magic that can happen under those lights where you, know, you can go until 2 in the morning playing some epic marathons. And then as an opponent, imagine being from Estonia, walking into Serena, like going up against Serena Williams where nobody outside yeah. of the six people in your box want you to win. That's a scary environment. <laughs> and, and the tension that's going on the whole time. And, and, you know, the volume is rising, and all of it can be an intimidating factor. And... Uh... Since we're at U.S. Open time, I was kind of thinking about this. It took me about a year to watch this, Arash. I don't know why, but uh, the Marty Fish documentary Untold on on Netflix, uh, it's about 10 years ago now. I think that, that was in 2012, so we're at 2022. Yes, I did some math correct. That's 10 years ago. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what do you remember about that time when Marty Fish 
pulled out of his uh, match versus uh, Roger Federer? Well, I mean, Marty Fish to me was the player that, well, was among the players that fell victim to his era. That how different may things have been for Marty Fish if he wasn't running into Rafa and Roger and Novak. You know, he was in that era. Novak Djokovic had maybe the greatest season a men's tennis player has ever had in 2011. And just as Fish was reaching his peak, his pinnacle of his career, that's when the anxiety and the tension and all of those things kind of took over. And it's a great reminder, Zinger, for all of us that in this world of insiders and this and that, we really don't know what these athletes are going yeah. through. We don't really have a don't sniff, know. do we? <laughs> no, and they're going to keep it to themselves, and it's viewed as a competitive edge and a competitive in, you know, imbalance and all those kinds of things. So, you know, Marty Fish's talent was undeniable. And so many athletes, their talent is undeniable. But to perform at an elite level, there's so much more than just talent that goes into it. And that's one thing that documentary kind of showed us is how much more goes into it and how much more is on the line because of it. And one of the big reasons, like Marty even said it, one of the reasons that he came forward to share his story was to help other people. And I'm sitting there watching this documentary, Arash, and I'm thinking to myself, man, like me and Marty Fisher kind of similar i went through the same heart ablation that uh, marty fish went through i went through the same i, I don't want to say, say the same type of anxiety but like that's the reason why that these athletes when they come forward and share these stories it helps you know little peasants if you will like myself watching it so uh it was just amazing here's what get lost, singer. Singer, this is here's what gets lost yeah all of these athletes serena williams marty fish Tiger Woods, uh, Cody Fajardo, Tom Brady, uh, Candace Parker. You know what we all have in common? Hmm. We are all just humans. Ah, yes. The common denominator. We are human. It's true, though. <laughs> and, and, and there's this perception because we see them on TV or maybe they make a lot of money or maybe because they're on the cover of Vogue magazine or because they're a celebrity. Um because there's some notoriety and their bank account is thicker, that they're different than the rest of us or whatever. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own bleep that they're dealing with. Yeah. Whatever that may be, and for some it's similar and for some it's different, but the one common denominator is, as humans, there are going to be things that we're going to have to deal with ourselves. For some, they try and do it on their own. For others, they seek out peers, family, professionals in order to help. So just because somebody is on the pitching mound or on the ice or on a field or on a court or on a stage doesn't mean they don't, they're not human and not going through their own things. And just because you have a little bit more money in your pocket doesn't mean you're immune from it. It's Coast to Coast with Arash Badani on the Western Pizza Hotline. And another thing that I learned as well, Marty Fish, he's a big Minnesota Vikings fan, of course. He's yes, a, he, he is. He's I a native. Marty about it. Oh, really? So uh, mm-hmm. what are you uh, What are you thinking about your Vikings uh, going into this year? Maybe uh, take us inside that conversation that you had with Marty regarding uh, these Minnesota Vikings. Well, we were at the 2019 Davis Cup Finals in Madrid, and Marty was the captain of Team USA. 
at those finals. That was the year Canada got to the finals yep. with Chapeau and Felix and Bashik and all those guys. And Marty's uh, Marty's a Minnesota guy now, and he's actually friends with Adam Thielen, and he's been to training camp, and he knew he knows Mike Zimmer. Of course, Zimmer was the coach there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty's going to tell you that the Vikes are Super Bowl contenders, favorites, um, all those things, because he's an eternal optimist when it comes to his football team. Zinger very quietly yesterday, um, the Vikes made a trade, and for the first time in a while, I was like, okay, wait a minute, something may be different here. To get Jalen Rieger from the Eagles, the first-round talent receiver, Eagles fans will tell you they should have used that pick on Justin Jefferson, who ended up with the Vikings, go figure. Um, Suddenly, there's a legit receiving core, and there's some insurance there in case Thielen, who is no stranger to the training room and the one-game injured list, goes down. I'm still not sold on the Vikes' offensive line. I'm still not sold on the Vikes' corners. But they get Daniel Hunter back, who's a heck of a pass rusher. He missed most of last year. Um, The division goes through... That state in which we do not acknowledge by name. Oh, but, we do on this show. <laughs> but um, do I think the Vikes can be a playoff team in spite of their quarterback? I do. Right. So we have a pretty big uh, weekend coming up here, up north here, as far as football goes, Arash. Labor Day this weekend, and you've been to Regina for it, and one of your favorite stories, it has to be told around this time of year because uh, – I love it every single time I hear it. I swear it's all true, Zinger, and, I, and yeah, I'm with you. It kind of feels like it never gets old. So 2008 Labor Day Classic. I can't believe it's almost 15 years ago now. 15? Gosh. Um, I was in grade I was 11, Arash. I was in grade 11 at the time. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, I was the PR guy of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and... In those days, the team would travel on the Friday, practice at the old Mosaic, the old Taylor Field, and then go to Moose Jaw, spend Friday in Moose Jaw, Friday night in Moose Jaw, Saturday, do a walk through at Taylor Field, and then game day Sunday, go back to Moose Jaw game day Sunday, because they wanted to be away from the hoopla and the crazies and all the partiers, and they didn't want the players out all night because, you know, temptations and such. So I actually stayed in Regina because I grew up in Nova Scotia. I went to school in Quebec, worked in Quebec and Ontario. I'd never experienced Labor Day on the prairies. Mm-hmm. So I wake up Sunday morning with a raging headache, and I'm checking out of the hotel, and I hear the elevator door open, and I hear, what are you doing here? And I look over, and there's Charles Roberts. Hall of Fame running back Charles Roberts. I look over, I said, Charlie, what am I doing here? What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Moose Jaw want to ride to the stadium so jump into charlie's car he fires up a cigarette on his way to the stadium because well what else would charles roberts do need a quick dirty <laughs> that's all quick dirty that's it we stop at a 7-eleven he keeps the cigarette going want any breakfast I, i'm i'm good charles thank you 
He goes into the 7-Eleven. He grabs two Snickers bars and two Red Bulls, finishes the cigarette, lights another. We park in the Ken Austin lot of the old Taylor Field Mosaic Stadium. West side of the stadium, yep. And Charlie has his grocery bag of from 7-Eleven in his right hand, a cigarette in his left, nothing else but the clothes he's wearing on his back, and walked into the stadium for what ended up being his last game as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. And barbecues were going, and the music was raging, and there were watermelons on people's heads. And I always tell people, and I mean this sincerely, Zinger, I say this every year, um, and I'm not saying it because I'm on a Regina radio station. I tell people all the time, and I'm very lucky to have traveled all over the world doing a lot of different things. If you want to experience Canadiana, unlike anything else, go to Regina on Labor Day weekend. Walk around the mall on the Friday and the Saturday. Pop into one establishment after another on a Saturday night. Walk around the field on Sunday. There, there is a uniqueness to that entire environment that is unmatched anywhere in the country. It's really cool. I hope everybody there has a great Labor Day. It's one of the true treasures of, of the Canadian sports calendar. Sportsnet's Arash Madani. Have yourself a good weekend, brother. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. You too, pal. Have fun at the Labor Day Classic. Thanks, my friend. We are indeed another day closer to the Labor Day Classic Sunday at 4 p.m. Our pregame show will be on the air at 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, so keep that in mind with Daniela Ponicelli, the Professor Don Hewitt, and Wes Cates. Heading to break, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Zinger in for Michael Ball today. It is 629, just putting a bow on top of this show. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on demand wherever you find your podcasts. It's for CAA Travel. You can join the Sports Cage and CAA Travel to LA this December. Two NFL games, two NHL games. Call CAA Travel right now and uh, get your spot. There's only a few spots left, by the way. $2,499 double occupancy gets you a nice package for pro sports games, hotel, flights there and back. So uh, check it out on 620ckrm.com as well. You can find the details from there. Our text line is powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Some great texts on the text line this afternoon. Nick says, hey, Zinger, with Labor Day coming up, how does one cheer loud and get into the game when you're seated next to somebody who is, you know, stuck in the mud and just complains while you're getting in, while you're getting into the game? Uh, that's it. That is a very good point, Nick, because a lot of the times we say, you know, get loud, get loud, get loud. But then you always have a couple people around you that are kind of like, yeah, don't, don't be so loud and obnoxious, you know, so we can't have it both ways. I say, you know what, just cheer your heart out and let people around you deal with it. That's my humble opinion. (laughs) That's my advice to you, Nick. Uh, Katie says, tell Cody's wife, Laura. Labor Day is a work thing, not a due date. Uh, oh, wow. Katie and Abernathy laying down the lumber. No, uh, cannot wait for uh, Cody Fajardo's uh, son to be born. This is a really exciting time for our QB1, and I uh, cannot wait 
Uh, I was going to say, can't wait to meet the little guy. I'm not sure if I'll be able to meet him, but I uh, can't wait to see pictures. And uh, hopefully uh, everyone's uh, nice and safe and healthy and everything just goes smoothly because I know how stressful that process can be. We have another texter on the text line that says, so who let uh, who lent Ballsy their private jet? Well, if you haven't heard, Ballsy is on his way to Lincoln, Nebraska right now. He's actually on the highway driving as we speak. He's uh, heading down to Lincoln, Nebraska to watch his son play on the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. They're taking on the Nebraska Cornhuskers on Saturday afternoon. So uh, Ballsy is down there right now. And uh, no, no private jets involved here. Just uh, pure grit and four wheels hitting the rubber on pavement. That's all that Ballsy's doing uh, for the next couple hours here. So uh, this has been a fun show, and we're going to wrap up today's show with some Sastel Pick the Score. We don't usually do it this late in the show, but hey, let's do this thing. Got two tickets to the Labor Day Classic, sold-out Labor Day Classic. It's coming up here on Sunday at 4 p.m., and I got two tickets for you. So if you were to go on Ticketmaster, try to buy me, you won't be able to because, uh, like I said, she is sold out. So 306-936-6262, toll-free 1-866-767-0620 are the two numbers to call. Te- or call me up right now. I'm taking caller number, uh, what should I do? Caller number four in honor of Kyron Moore's brand new number. So, uh, and as well, call me up. I got a couple Regina Rams tickets to give away as well here so uh can't wait to hear from you we're gonna talk to you tomorrow once again on the sports cage at four o'clock it's a little bit of an abbreviated edition tomorrow because michael ball will be doing the sports cage uh live from nebraska and then right after that regina rams football daniela ponicelli will be at ig field in winnipeg calling uh Rams season opener against those Manitoba Bisons. So if you missed any of today's show, you can find it on demand. I'm Sean Kleisinger, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Join Sports Cage's Michael Ball for CAA Travel's Ultimate Sports Trip December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games, the Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers, plus a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games, all for just $24.99 per person, taxes included, based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip.